Hello and welcome to the Janae Franco Show, episode 17. Today I am going to talk a little bit about my journey of overcoming this need that I discovered that I have to try and earn not only God's love, but the love of the people around me. So funny story about today's episode. I've had this idea since last week-ish and I procrastinated doing it, which is so funny because as most of you probably know by now, I am building content in the realm of perfectionism and my group coaching experience has to do with all of that. <clears throat> and this is an area which I have grown tremendously in, but it's really interesting because it seems that the more I deal with, the more I allow the Lord to heal in me, the more there is to be healed, the more I discover how many more layers and how many more um roadblocks I've put up between myself and my relationship with God. And so as I was taking a little bit of time here and there to prepare today, I just, I put it off until today. And that's why it's 1230. And I just kind of went live randomly because I have a couple of meetings on Wednesday morning and I wanted to have time to, um, I wanted the, the content to be like exactly right. Right. And so I kind of fought a little bit with that, but I was like, okay, I am going to come up with an outline. So I, I do have an outline of just some of the top thoughts that I've had. And I was also really drawn to the Catholic coaching podcasts podcast on, episode on attachment theory and how attachment, our attachment style actually affects our relationship. So I'm going to be pulling in a little bit of that as well as I talk about this topic. Because one of the things that it's been really beautiful being able to release the podcast a couple of weeks ago about perfectionism and really claiming this as an area in which I've had my greatest woundedness, my greatest struggle, but then also an area that I really feel called to uh, find women that have also struggled with this and help them become to overcome it, to come to a place where they trust God more than themselves, where they come to him more than themselves um, in order to grow closer to him. And it's, it's something that I see as essential to our salvation, not just our sanctity and how well things are going in life, but in general to our salvation, because well, uh, Father Jacques Philippe is where most of my quotes come from at this point. Although the more I dive into this topic, the more books I'm just inhaling uh, and podcasts and other people. So definitely you will be seeing plenty of other references in the weeks to come. But um, okay, so Father Jacques Philippe says in the way of trust and love, which is all about St. Therese and her, it's beautiful. It's one of my favorites. Actually, they're a lot my favorite. But anyway, if we accept ourselves as we really are, we also accept God's love for us. But if we reject ourselves or if we despise ourselves, we shut ourselves off from the God, the love God has for us. We deny that love. And that is why I think perfectionism is such a powerful thing to deal with, because so often in our perfectionism, we deny our basic goodness. We deny we don't necessarily believe that we are good. And that's where I'm going to get into the, a little bit of the attachment story in a minute, attachment theory in a minute, because it really resonated with me. In fact, I was kind of binging on this podcast last night because I was thinking about these connections and I was like, oh, I really want to draw that in because I think it's really, really important to understand the psychology behind this, because once we can become aware of it, then we can see how this, it becomes less, um, at least for me, this was my, my story, is the more I became aware of 
my weaknesses here, it became less about me and more about um, maybe some of the things, the perceptions I had as I was raised, or I say less about me, more about expecting my humanness, expecting my imperfection, and really finding so much hope and clinging to the truth that is in scripture about all these people that did not have it together. I mean, how many times did Jesus tell the Pharisees or the, you know, that it was their righteousness? It was the fact that they thought they had it together. It was the fact that they were like, well, clean the outside of the cup while the inside is dirty. Like they didn't get the point. And one of my favorite scriptures when talking about this is it's from multiple places. I think it's like Matthew 9, 12, 13 is what I'm going to quote. But it's in, I think it's in Matthew 2, 17. I want to say it's in like Luke 5, possibly. And it's like literally the same story. But when he heard it, Jesus said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. And I think this is an extremely important piece as perfectionists, at least for myself. I want to be the righteous one. I want to be the good one, the one that does all the right things, that says the right things, that doesn't rock the boat, that appears to be perfect on the outside. Maybe the Pinterest mom, uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe you just want, it's the appearances, right? It's that external appearance, okay? And I think there was this shift in me when I realized and when God's grace was able to enter my heart and show me, and this is a, this is a day-to-day shift where showing me that number one, no amount of effort on my part was going to make me holier, was going to make me more presentable to him. And the more stories I read in scripture about the sinners and the tax collectors and the not righteous people, they were the ones that the Lord wanted close to him. They were the ones that he spoke to, you know, he was saying, woe to you Pharisees. Well, I mean, if I'm the one trying to be righteous and look great on the outside and reject Jesus, reject the love that God has for us. And if we're rejecting the love that God has for us, we're essentially rejecting God because God is love. He, you know, that's just who he is. And so if we're rejecting that love, because we don't think that we're good enough, then we are rejecting God. And so this is why it is a matter of our salvation and our sanctity, but it's super important to allow the Lord. It's obviously, it's not going to be overnight. If you, if we have thought this way for years, this has been a, a pretty much a constant companion for me, but I, I really do believe this is my path to sanctity to fight this lie every day in every facet of the lie that the evil one wants to present to me. You know, um, it's just such a beautiful image to, Oh, that's what it was. Um, So I'm doing the 40 days for Lent challenge. I think it's in the Hallow app. And this week they're focusing on a different word of last word of Christ each week. And Father Mike Schmitz is also doing the same in his homilies, which are free on YouTube, I believe. Um, They are also in the Hallow app. And this one is a lot of reflection about the good thief. And I was thinking about this yesterday. I mean, he is... uh, there was a, a quote that, that Jonathan Rumi read from Fulton Sheen. I'm not going to, I'm going to butcher it, but essentially it was like, no one else got this kind of promise, right? He said, today you will be with me in paradise. 
to the good thief, to the one that recognized him, not to the one that was like, well, prove yourself, show yourself. If you're God, you can take yourself down from this cross, like self-reliance, blah, blah, blah. And the good thief is like, no, we deserve to die for our crimes. We have done something that this is the correct crime. This is the correct punishment for He acknowledged it. And I think that is, that is heroic. That is what we have to learn to do in our lives is to acknowledge like, no, actually we deserve that punishment. But you know what? It's in that moment when Jesus is like, yeah, today you'll be with me in paradise. He was a thief. He did terrible things, right? I'm sure I'm not the only one as like, uh, oh, I love the story, um, The Prodigal Son by Henry Nouwen. Uh, It's just such a beautiful reflection on, because I never resonated with that story. I wasn't the prodigal son most of the time. Obviously we could all, I could figure out ways that I have been the prodigal son. That's not what I'm talking about. But in general, I did all the right things. I said all the right things. I never strayed off path too far. And if I did, you know, I could figure out plenty of ways to justify how that path was much better than the next person's path next to me. So I was still much more righteous, you know, Um, and I'm not proud of this, but this is just, that's how I realized that I was acting. And he really goes in depth on this righteousness of the older son and how he won't even come into the house to celebrate when the prodigal son comes back. He can't even celebrate because he's like, well, why didn't she give me the fattened goat get calf or whatever? I didn't prepare this story, so I didn't research it. But um, why didn't you do this for me? And the father's like, all that I have is yours. It always has been. But it's just this pride and this righteousness that this older son feels. It's like I did all the right things. And yet I still didn't get X. You know, I can tell you one story uh, about how this really illustrated itself in my life. Um. As most of you probably know, perfectionism could also have a synonym of being controlling, right? How many of us perfectionists out there also have this need for control in our lives? We need everything around us to be the way that we want it to be. For me, that's because a lot of this root is um, powerlessness. That's something that I experienced as a child that it, it does, that trauma has, that thread has sort of passed through things of that powerlessness. I remember fighting it really big for a while and then really finding a lot of relief eventually. So this particular situation happened before some of my more intense, you know, Catholic counseling, but we had a house, we were living in a house um, and my husband and I had wanted to, sh- to move to this other house. And we really discerned what we thought, well, we were asking the Lord about it, really praying about it. And we felt really called to move to this new house, but we had not sold our previous house. And we had gotten some recommendations and sought some advice of wise people. And they were like, you know, the market is this or that, like it shouldn't be long. And so we were like, okay. So we took a risk. We wound up moving before selling our house and our, and our house sat on the market for almost two and a half years, actually. Yeah. Almost two and a half years. There are multiple reasons why we didn't rent or do other things during that time. COVID hit during this time. Um, and it really got to a point where there's only so many things you can do to your house in order to make it more appealing to sell. Like there were things that we could have done and we did those and we talked to our realtor and it was like, we literally did everything we could possibly do. But our house for, for various reasons was not being sold. <laughs> and we were like, I was furious. I can tell you with God, because I was like, I am doing all the right things. I am praying the right prayers. I spent my life honoring you. Like I could go on and on of just, 
all these reasons I felt justified to be angry with God for not giving me this thing that I felt I deserved. And that is honestly what really led me back to counseling again, because I really was destroying um, my peace. It was destroying, um, I say destroying, it was really affecting my parenting. It was affecting my marriage. Um, I just was a really unhappy and anxious person at this time. And I realized a lot of it was because I, I had this perception that I had earned, I had like stocked my bank account. My savings account with God was really full because of all these rosaries and all those masses I went to in college and all the times I did not stray and all the times that I did exactly what he wanted me to do without complaining. Obviously I was complaining internally or whatever. I felt like I had, you know, earned it. And it crushed me because I had to deal with this fact that number one, I was having these thoughts uh, that I actually felt like I was earning God's love. And number two, that I legitimately could not control this situation at all. I don't know how many of you here have experienced something like that. Uh, Maybe it's, it's, conceiving a child, or maybe it's um, another situation that you just can't control a relationship in your life that maybe you can't get away from. Um, And, you know, I wish I'd had some of these mindset skills at the time because it would have been really helpful. But I will say that in that brokenness, God brought me to himself. He helped me through that darkness, through that, you know, vulnerable anger with him and just you know, this was even kind of before I dealt with the trauma from my childhood. So I wasn't even aware of how much powerlessness was really underneath this of really hating the fact that I could not control this. And honestly, it's been a slow journey, but the Lord has really brought me more and more to a place where he healed my relationship with him because so much of that pointed to this, this lack of trust that I had in him, that he was not good that he could pull the rug out from under me at any time. And it didn't matter how much he delighted in me beforehand. Like it was, it could be pulled out at any time. And so um, I had to fend for myself. I had to take care of myself. I had to, um, I had to perform. I had to please. I needed to make everyone around me really happy and not disappoint anyone and definitely not fail because that semblance of control was the only thing that I had in my life. And so I want to move a little bit into, this is actually, this is around the time frame that God brought the scripture, uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And I think this is when I began, when he began to just chip away at those walls that I had up of how that, that weakness I saw as horrible. I saw it as like, I wanted to be that righteous Pharisee. I wanted to be the one that looked great on the outside. I wanted to perform those acts so that I could be made worthy. But that is the exact opposite. Uh, Father Jacques Philippe says, um, however many imperfections we have, rather than lament them and try to rid ourselves of them at any price, they could be splendid opportunities to make good progress in humility as well, as well as confidence in God and his mercy and thus in saintliness. So it was really in this process that I began to bring my imperfections to him. And my favorite scripture in all of this time was, I wish I knew where it was, but it's, it's the part where the centurion, I think, says like, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. 
And I really had to lean on that because I didn't even have the belief. I just knew I wanted it. And that was my prayer was help my unbelief, help me to see what I do not see, help me to know what I do not know. And in all vulnerability and in all authenticity with the Lord in that prayer time, I mean, this was a time when honestly I was spending entirely too much time in um, personal prayer and reflection. And I say that because as a wife and a mother, we know that there are duties to be done around the house. And at this time, you know, all of nap time, my entire time alone, pretty much during the day was usually spent in um, scripture, spiritual reading, which was extremely beautiful and fruitful, but it also caused a lot of stress and strain because I wasn't spending time planning meals or doing things around the house or catching up on things. And then I was feeling stressed because I was trying to do it with the kids around. So that's uh, sort of an interesting, I don't know where that came from, but essentially uh, I have learned to balance my time a little more and to realize that it's not the number of hours that I spend praying that ensure that that's my holiness. It's responding to my vocation in life and responding. It's not any less holy as long as you have at least whatever you can give personally, a, a personal time with the Lord. Maybe that's 30 minutes. I would encourage you, you know, depending on your season, obviously it could be as little as five minutes if you've got newborns or infants, but make sure that you're not excusing yourself. 30 minutes. It should be doable. Probably. I think most of us could spend 30 minutes scrolling on Instagram or Facebook or um, I don't know, talking on the phone or texting or something like that. And so I still think there is a minimum obviously that we need to spend with the Lord, but um, yeah, it, it, I, it was almost like I was trying to earn it. Like if I just was holy enough, then things would come together for me. So I want to talk a little bit about this attachment style because I do think that it really makes a difference as to our relationship with God. And I really believe that the biggest difference for me was as the Lord led me into a more secure attachment with him, my relationship with him, it elevated all of the other relationships in my life. And it really was able to start healing those. So if you don't know a whole lot about attachment style, I'm going to keep it pretty brief. I will include the episode for Catholic Coaching Podcast below because they go into it in much more detail. Matt and Aaron Ingle do. Uh, he is in spiritual direction uh, training, I guess you could say, at Divine Mercy University. And they took like a whole course on it, which that makes me so excited. Maybe one of these days I will do that. But so we want to imagine like an X, Y axis, right? On the, on the horizontal line is going to be I'm good versus I'm bad. The vertical line is others are good and others are bad. So the secure attachment is going to be I'm good and others are good. Okay, so the ultimate secure attachment is going to be when we're in heaven with, with God. That's not going to happen here on this side of heaven. However, it is something that we can move toward. This is all, as a reminder, this is all based on your perception. So it may or may not be true. It, it doesn't mean that your parents, especially if it, was, it involves your parents or whatever, it doesn't mean that they intentionally or, or whatever, like were this, but you could still have this perception of them and it would affect your attachment style. Okay. So this is all going to be nurture based. This is not um, necessarily biology as far as how you were born, like temperaments or something else. Okay. Um, and yeah. So anyway. The secure attachment is, that's where prayer comes in. That's where um, our attachment with God is the most important thing. Um, you know, I think about right now, Damien's going through this phase, uh, my youngest, he's three, and 
literally I have to do everything for him. Like dad cannot cut his pancakes. Dad cannot, um, literally no one could do anything for him except for me. And if I'm gone and his dad is here, it's his oldest sister that he wants to put him to bed. It's really kind of hilarious. And honestly, I feel like I may at some point have to consult a parenting expert because that is not my expertise. And I wonder if there's something I could be doing to help him better. But the point of me telling you the story is when he gets upset, when he gets frustrated, he comes straight to me, straight to me. Like there's no one else that can comfort him. And that's an example of a secure attachment because he knows that I'm going to be there for him, obviously not perfectly. And thank goodness for that because I'm going to make mistakes. And that's a great reason for our kids to cling to Jesus. Because if we were perfect, newsflash, then they wouldn't need Jesus. So honestly, we're helping our kids out by not being perfect, right? Anyway, so he comes to me. And that's a secure, because he knows I want to be there for him. And in that human way, um, God is even more so perfect in this arena because we can go to the Lord and we can know that he is always there for us. Okay. And so what I found during this phase where I was really angry at him and frustrated and having to revisit some of these memories that were causing a lot of pain for me and in counseling and all of that is what God was doing was showing me that my attachment to him was actually like, I believed him to be bad. And I believed almost like myself to be bad. So there was just like a lot of mess in there. And so the Lord was bringing me closer to this secure attachment where I can believe that he is good. And I can actually start to believe that I am good, that I am a daughter of God. And that that is a good thing. And he can be trusted. I remember, um, being in praise and worship one night and we were listening to that song run to the father. And I was really dealing with a lot of like just anger toward him at the time. And I was, I couldn't even sing it. And all I could do was just sob because I, I did not believe that God was good. At that point I was being completely honest with where I was and I did not believe him and praise be to God. He worked on my heart and he showed me how good he is and I can't unknow that. It was grace. Ultimately, it was just grace. Like he he did the work he needed to do, the surgery he needed to do on my heart. And I really do am so I am so much closer to believing how good he is, right? We're never actually there. But I think that is a big piece of the journey is that he wants to heal our relationship with him. So on to the not so great attachments. There's three, okay? So if you remember it's I'm good versus I'm bad, or others are good and others are bad. And so the anxious attachment is something I um, I think is really applicable in this perfectionism window. I feel like I could talk about this all day because the more I heard him talk about it, I'm like, oh, I'm going to write that down and write that down because <laughs> that's very applicable. OK, so this is when you think I am bad and others are good. This is where comparison happens. This is where a need to achieve will happen, where your achievement um, equals the love that you receive, like the more you achieve, the more love you get, um, the more affirmations you get, the more love you get. And maybe this is centered around, you know, a relationship or two, something like that. It could be, you know, across the board, but we believe that when we are good, that's when we get love. So when we don't get the love, what we want, we question our own goodness. And that's what the anxious attachment is all about. And it becomes a lot about the vice of vanity because we want to look good to others. We want to appear good because we don't believe that we are good. We have to wear our mask all the time. We have to 
um, because our biggest fear is that we're going to be found out, that we're going to be made a fraud, that we are going to not be as good as this mask that we put up. And so I wonder, you know, for me, it, it, it took a long time to start to realize that I wasn't as perfect as I thought. I had a lot more awful you know, thoughts or other struggles that I um, will never share all about on here because you don't need to hear about all of them. But these insecure, it's like we seek those affirmations because, um, and Aaron was saying this on the podcast, it's so, so true. It's like, just because when you get that affirmation for that little bit of time, you feel good. You believe that you're good and you don't question your goodness. And then once it goes away and it fades, then you seek more of that. Um, these are where thoughts come in that you have to earn God's love, that we're not worthy of his love, that maybe we question our identity. I'm not actually a daughter of God. He couldn't possibly love me that much, or I need to be perfect in order to be loved. So this is an example of an anxious attachment. And so it's not a secure attachment. And so that is why the Lord is wanting to work on those in us to bring us closer to him. And so another example of a different type of attachment is that I am good and other people are bad. So this can come from a root lie of I'm all alone. I have been abandoned. Um, the root sin is often sensuality, which is more specifically turning to things or um, to fill our needs because we cannot trust other people because other people are not good. So we can't trust them. And so we have to fill our need with things. Pornography could be something um, it could be food. It could be binge watching TV. It could be scrolling, you know, binge scrolling on Facebook. Like we have needs and we just want to turn to things to fill those needs instead of relationships. Um, and so with God, it makes it to where we, you know, believe that nobody's looking out for me or that he has abandoned us. Um, and our greatest fear is actually being, is receiving love like allowing ourselves to be loved. This is actually also an attachment style that I identify with in certain parts of my life as well. Um, so, and then the last attachment style is a fear-based or disorganized attachment. So that's, I'm bad and other people are bad. Generally, this is going to be found in cases of abuse um, where the parent maybe is the source of affirmation in love, but also the source of the pain um, where you want to say, close, but not too close. You kind of have a hand reaching, but also pushing away. Uh, it's a lot of self-preservation. Um, you desire the affirmation from the other person, but you don't believe that you are worthy of it. So quick overview. Secure attachment is where we want to work toward. And then we've got the anxious attachment, avoidant attachment, and disorganized attachment. So if you want to grow, you have to grow not only in your own goodness, but also in the goodness of others. Um, and so really, that's why this is so helpful in knowing for our relationship with God is because we can start to notice when are you feeling this need to please or be perfect? Or when are you wanting to push it away, push somebody away? Like, what do you think your um, attachment style, your primary attachment style is? And maybe dig into that a little bit more. If you're using the journal, she recommends in the episode, um, pull out the journal and write, you know, others are good, I'm bad or whatever, whatever attachment style it is and write your thoughts about it. Um, see if something comes up that you're, that's really coming in the, in between your relationship with God or with other people. Because the thing is, what I noticed is the more I grew in the knowledge of God's goodness 
And my goodness, apart from affirmations and um, accolades or achievements, especially those of you who are big to-do list junkies, maybe. Um, and sometimes I don't know if any of you guys have ever written a to-do list and included things you already did just so you could scratch them off and check them off the list. Um, you can let me know. I'm sure I'm not the only one here. <laughs> but the more I could separate like myself and the results from that, the more grace has been able to come into my heart because I realize it's really just like realizing our limitations, realizing our sinfulness. It's the first step is acknowledging that we have a problem that with this perfectionism, perfectionism, and we have a problem with wanting to try and be in control all the time. And there's nothing like God is not sitting there. Now, obviously sin is sin, right? But He's not sitting there pointing his finger at us, like wagging his finger and being like, you knew better, you know, like you shouldn't have done that. Um, he's just there ready to give us his love and mercy as soon as we just ask for it, as soon as we acknowledge our weakness. You know, we want to be able to recognize these patterns. So for me, one of the relationships that's really took its toll from this need to control has been my kids. And that's also been one of the hardest ones to kind of get to because there's just so many triggers every day, all day, because they're little, right? They're 10 and under. And, but I can see how it's really affected our relationship because just of various factors. So, but in any relationship, whether it's your spouse or whether it's a friend or whether it's your kids, this attachment style and, and talking about this need for earning love and allowing the Lord to come in and give mercy, it really... The point of it is to show you that you are the only one that needs to grow and change in order for that relationship to improve. Because if we can detach ourselves from some of these outcomes, these results, these um, needs of our own like misplaced attachment, maybe trying to seek that in the other person instead of in God, then that is where the Lord can come in and transform our hearts. So that is all I've got for you guys today. I think this is just a topic that is so close to my heart. If it hits home for you, I would love to hear from you. I would love to hear your perspective. You can shoot me a DM. You can click on the survey link in the show notes. I would love to hear more of your thoughts about perfectionism because I want to build an army of women that are recovering perfectionists, that are getting over this, that are allowing the Lord to come in and transform their hearts, not just for themselves, but for their marriages, um, for, well, ultimately our relationship with God, so we can get closer with him for our marriages and especially for our kids, because whether we know it or not, our woundedness is coming out all over our kids. What do they say? Like your wounds, you know, you bleed all over other people <laughs> or something like that. Um, and that's true. It's definitely been very true for me in this journey. Um, the more I can relinquish control, the more I can let go of my own perfectionism, the better my relationship has been, especially with my older two that are really capable of understanding what's happening. And so I just want to encourage you, if this is something that has interested you, I do have a group coaching experience coming up. Um, I am beginning next week and I will be giving you guys the gift if you want to come for a time for a group coaching call um, on the house without paying for the first call to check it out, to see what it's like, to see if this is something that would be a great fit for you. I will be coaching within that group coaching call on all of these things that go around perfectionism. And honestly, the more passionate I get about it, the more information I seem to find on it. And it is, it's like an endless rabbit hole. We were talking this morning um, 
So one of my, I'm really big fan of Clifton Strengths, and I am participating in Simon Hurry's uh, Talent to Titan, I think. And his passion is just educating us on how these strengths interact with one another. And so the topic this morning was input, which is my second. I'm learner input in election, and input is all about taking in this information, but in particular, becoming um, really, really knowledgeable in one area. And so this is something that has really lit a fire in me to be able to learn about perfectionism from every angle. What are all the facets of it? How is it, how is it really affecting me and my relationship with God and my relationship with people around me? Um, and I felt like it was just so affirming because this is my calling to continue to bring information to you. So I look forward to having you guys with me for the journey because I know um, my fire and my passion will not die down about this. It is just something I feel so passionate about. So join my email list if you're not on there already. So you don't miss any of the announcements and especially all the details for the group coaching calls that will start next week. And feel free to reach out and share any of your stories with me. I would love to hear them. So God bless you. I hope you have a wonderful week and I look forward to seeing you next week. Bye guys.